Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. We have Ben Carollo, host of Galaxy Brain, and she streams on Twitch as Bleep Blop Ben, writer and TYT contributor. Should be fascinating breakdown. First story of the day, this is the cause and effect relationship between not doing your job because of bias, how it impacts others. A black woman was sexually assaulted, crime took place. She reported the crime, the police decided to do nothing about it. That same person ends up killing a white female who had influence and all of a sudden, all of the resources of this police department go to work on behalf of the wealthy or influential white woman. Let's put up both of their pictures. I'm about to go into depth to highlight a story that never should have happened. A sexual assault victim is now speaking out after her rape kit stayed on investigator shelves for months. Until after the man now accused of raping her was identified as the suspect in the killing of a wealthy white woman. Alicia Franklin, who's a black woman, left Memphis last year after she was blindfolded and raped by a man she met on a dating app. The 22 year old takes online college classes hoping to propel herself out of poverty. The same man was also charged with Aliza Fletcher's abduction and murder nearly a year later. Fletcher's grandfather founded a billion dollar hardware company. DNA from her crime scene was tested in a matter of hours, according to the report. I was just an average black girl in the city of Memphis, you know, Franklin told reporters. I just think it wasn't a priority, as she was correct, based on the evidence we have now. It took 18 hours, 18 hours for Memphis police to solve Fletcher's murder. It took over 11 months for the police to identify Franklin's rapist and only after Fletcher's death. The man identified for both crimes was no stranger to law enforcement. Fletcher's husband, Fletcher's husband reported her missing on September 2nd, after she had not returned from her daily run near the University of Memphis. Reports show investigators removed video surveillance of Fletcher's kidnapping within hours. Cleotha Abston Henderson was arrested the next day. When Franklin reported her rape to the police, which was September 21st, 2021, she endured an examination at the Rape Crisis Center. She tried to pull up the man's profile for investigators on the Plenty of Fish dating site, but it was already gone. The rape victim gave detective, detectives the man's phone number. They took Franklin back to the crime scene, but left without collecting fingerprints or her cell phone. But she told them the predator had touched. They did not bother to investigate. There's more. Franklin believes the missing steps could have solved a case and put Abston Henderson 
behind bars months earlier. Even some of the law enforcement community also agree. Two former lead Memphis detectives told reporters that investigators could have nabbed this predator months earlier if they simply canvassed the neighborhood where Franklin was raped. That's it, that's all they had to do. So what do we have here? There's a clear bias in how the young black female was treated when she reported this crime that happened to her. She did all of the right things afterwards. She endured the investigative mandate of having the rape kit done. She gave an official, an official complaint to the police, descriptions, provided evidence, told them where the fingerprints were located, gave them where it happened, told them the community this individual was likely in. They did not follow up on any of those leads, none, 11 months. Within that time, this individual had the opportunity to commit another crime. And here's the reality, we don't know if the person may have committed more. But now we come back to what? How systemic bias, racism, prejudice, how unequal treatment impacts us all in a negative way. You see, if they would have treated the young black female the way they treated the wealthy white woman, the wealthy white woman may still be alive today. You see how staggering that is? Do you see how heartbreaking this is? If you believe that racism or prejudice and bias only impacts individuals of color or only impacts the community that is receiving the negative response in that moment, you are mistaken. We are all connected, we are all here, we are all greatly impacted by failures like this. This story happens to connect the dots a little clearer to where you see how one element impacts the other. All right, Ben, thoughts on this case. Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to this, but I guess it touches on like really one of the central components that a lot of abolitionists and the people in the defund crowd point out when it comes to our policing system. The current system of policing that we have, one, fundamentally doesn't trust women and especially doesn't trust black women because there's institutional racism that plays a huge role in the culture of policing across the country. But then there's also just the layer of it being re-traumatizing the way we go responding to these things. People often talk about the backlog of rape kits and they'll assume that has something to do with funding when in actuality it has to do with the police culture. Which is why so many people in the defund crowd are calling for new institutions to replace specific roles when it comes to policing. So that hopefully we could maybe have an institution that their goal is to take care of the victims, to have a care mindset that is presumption of believing them and actually like investigates these things. Because ultimately, if she had his phone number, even a little bit of effort would have been able to find him right away. Because all you need is a warrant to the mobile carrier and the mobile carrier, I can pretty much guarantee has records of their location where their cell phone was that could trace down the neighborhood that they were in, who they are and all that information about them to like build a case. But that all depends on believing people who are victimized, which speaks to just just another layer, which is this idea that as a society, we broadly need to get rid of this idea that there are worthy victims and unworthy victims. It doesn't matter who somebody is. Now in this case, right, 
Like <laughs> this person, she's just a black woman and that's enough for the police not to believe her. But this happens across the board, especially when you're talking about marginalized people, people who are like sex workers and things like that. And ultimately, this is why we need to completely disregard the idea of unworthy and worthy victims. And we need yeah. to accept that anybody can be victimized. Yeah, and here's the, the other side of the coin. They may have actually believed her, then they may have believed her story, but they did not value her as a person, as a human being. And because of that, they never implemented or executed the level of investigation required for such a heinous crime. Okay, we have a school teacher who decided to do this because a student had the audacity not to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. Here it is. To defend our country, that you are gonna sit there on your butt. Don't shake your leg, when you do something I'll defend my country from the very then go back to where you're from, Mexico or Guatemala, or report here. And you won't stand up for the flag. Inappropriate, bigoted, all of that. Let's put up a screenshot that we have of this supposed educator. Now, this happened in the state of Florida, Manatee County, Florida. You saw the teacher berating a student for not standing up for the Pledge of Allegiance. It has now gone viral on social media. The teacher also suggested the student who appears to be Latino go back to where he came from. The county school district removed this teacher from the classroom on Wednesday. He was removed same day as the incident and was reassigned to a position where he no longer has contact with students. District spokesperson Michael Barber wrote in an email, the district's investigation is ongoing according to Michael. The teacher appears to be Robert Reber, a 61 year old art teacher at the high school. According to a student familiar with the incident, the teacher was not immediately available for comment. In the county, students are required to stand unless they have something in writing from a parent or guardian asking to excuse them, Barbara said. However, he said it does not excuse the teacher's behavior. Barbara wrote, and I quote, the school district of Manatee County strongly condemns any language or behavior that degrades, humiliates, or insults any individuals, most especially the young people, families, and community we have the privilege of serving. And let me say this. Okay, obviously this was an insane way to handle a student not standing for the pledge. Do educators realize, people like him, this particular type of school teacher, do you realize that mandating someone to stand for a pledge of allegiance to anything, even if it is the flag, mandating them to do so is antithetical to the representation and expression of freedom. I don't think the kid needs a letter from a parent. The kid chooses not to stand and pledge allegiance. That allegiance is freely given or not. It can be expressed or not expressed. You can sit down, you can stand, whatever you choose to do. 
That's called freedom. But see, a lot of people who claim to be patriots are not ready for that kind of freedom. They believe freedom can only come in one particular way, the way they view it and nothing else. You see, freedom creates choice. Choice creates decisions. Decisions mean you may not agree with it and that's okay. That's how it works. Freedom has that opportunity every day. All right, we're gonna continue to follow this story. I'm not sure why this teacher was still placed in another position, given the fact that he has shown himself to be bigoted. Why are taxpayers in Florida still having to foot the bill for this particular professional in education? I do not know. Ben, thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, what you said is 100% correct, especially with why? Like, like, because there's actually been like Supreme Court case rulings about this before, about like the free speech rights that students have. But unfortunately, in the United States, we have this popular idea that children are property and that they're the property of their parents. Um, and then that sort of property relationship translated in the school environment. You basically have teachers that think the school is renting out children from their parents for a brief period of time. And they feel like they have like complete control over their lives. But on top of that, we just need to acknowledge the fact that this is weird, right? Everything about this is weird, right? Most countries do not have children saying a pledge of allegiance because first and foremost, they're children. They can't pledge allegiance to anything. They can't really commit to what their favorite food is, okay? Um, but like literally it is strange. It is this nationalist tendency that the United States have. And my opinion as a veteran is that it has an explicit purpose. The whole idea of fostering this kind of nationalism is to really just ramp up the United States imperialism in order to get children this nationalist mindset so that they're willing to like join the military and fight in wars and things like that. Because look, I joined the military when I was like 17 is when I signed that paperwork. Uh, 17, right? I was not even a grown adult. And then when I was in the military, I saw firsthand what we were actually doing around the world. And I changed my mind really quick on that whole patriotism thing. Uh, and that really, I think, is what these people are afraid of. And that's why they push this nationalism, because they don't want healthy skepticism of our policies abroad. What they want is just blind loyalty. And that's exactly what this teacher was trying to enforce. Yeah, and when you love somebody, Truly, even if you love your country, you love it enough to critique it when necessary. That's called tough love, it's required sometimes. All right. A flight attendant gets punched in the back of the head by a passenger. Here's the video. What kind of coward punches a person in the back of the head while they are walking away? Let's put up the picture. Let's put up this graphic. You see this right here? That's a coward move. Let me give you the background to what happened prior. The American Airlines passenger caught on video punching a flight attendant. 
went berserk when told to wait for coffee. Yeah, that happened because somebody told him he had to wait for coffee and also claimed there were 10 killers on the plane according to officials and a witness. Alexander Tung Ku Lee, 33 years of age from Westminster, California, was charged with interference with flight crew members and attendants for his meltdown on the plane to Los Angeles on Wednesday according to officials. Lee exited his seat while flight attendants were conducting food and beverage service. He grabbed one flight attendant's left shoulder from behind and asked for coffee. US Attorney's Office for the Central District in California said in a statement, American Airlines said the passenger will, and I quote, never be allowed to travel with us in the future. And we will work closely with law enforcement in their investigation. We thank our crew for their quick and professionalism action and professionalism to ensure the safety of their fellow team members and customers on board. Our thoughts are with our injured flight attendant and we are ensuring that they and their fellow crew members have the support they need at this time. The airline added Lee who faces a maximum of 20 years in federal lockup on the charges if convicted is expected to make his first court appearance Thursday afternoon in LA. Um, we'll bring some updates uh, as this continues to develop. But this is one of those dynamics where obviously there's a nothing in the beginning. There's no real argument here. There's no real conflict. Having to wait for coffee is not even something to argue about. You just have to wait on the coffee, the coffee's coming though. Uh, but before the video, there was already physical contact made. I want you to remember that physical contact was made before the person started to record. There was combat already happening. The flight attendant did the right thing, trying to deescalate, did not want to engage in the back and forth, started to walk away, gets hit in the back of the head. Now at that time, the flight attendant could have become aggressive and violent, defended himself, or others could have become aggressive and violent, but they did not. They remained very professional, big ups to that crew for doing so, better than me. But here's the thing, cannot treat people like this, regardless of what you are inconvenienced about. These individuals, they are in service work and they are doing a good job. This individual, this flight attendant did absolutely nothing wrong here. Shame on Lee for responding in such a violent way. Uh, thoughts on this, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I know a handful of people that are flight attendants. And I, like, like literally, like <laughs> people for whatever reason feel like they have this like, uh, like a right to like touch flight attendants. Don't, don't touch flight attendants. Even if you think you're like being nice because it's like really, really creepy and weird, right? So like, that's just like an aside that I think is really important. And it's something that I wish airlines were more willing to crack down on because they're customer service workers, of course, right? Whenever they complain about like random passengers, even just touching them a little bit, yeah. um, they'll get like pushed back and say like, oh no, whatever customers always right. But like, especially on like an airplane, I mean, come on, like seriously, 
Why are you punching somebody on an airplane? You should like, even if you're just a terrible person that loves punching people, you should maybe like stop and think for like a second that there's only one exit on that airplane, okay? There's only one exit and there's always police on the other side of that right. exit, okay? That is not a smart crime to be committing. Um, but like seriously, don't touch flight attendants and just wait for coffee. And it's it's just so, so weird that we're at a point where this is so common in the United States where people feel so entitled to immediate everything. Even when, I mean, literally what? You you just delayed your coffee even more. And you'll probably have a harder time getting coffee right in, in jail. Yeah, and here's the thing, we've covered these instances where individuals get enraged on an airplane and they decide to do something violent or racist or aggressive. Here's the reality of it. An airport is basically a police precinct. When you land at an airport, there are so many police already there just doing their regular job. You are basically landing in a police precinct. Okay, just remember that. When you're on an airplane, you would like to do something criminal. You're headed straight to a police precinct anyway. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. I got a big announcement to make, Monday. My special co-host will be none other than Ricky Smiley, all right? So Ricky Smiley will be joining us on Indisputable Monday, September 26th. Tune in, tyt.com forward slash live, youtube.com slash indisputable. 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time, make it happen, all right? Ricky is a huge fan of Indisputable. I learned that maybe about a month or two ago. Um, so he will be on the program and it should be hilarious. All right, let me read some of these amazing comments. I have, all right, Dana, Dana Manning, a guardian angel, mood squad dragon. Congrats on your induction into the 2022 National Black College Alumni Hall of Fame. Dr. Richie, much deserved. And about damn time. Well, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I'm very thankful. We will do the um, induction ceremony tonight. I will be there around, I think, 6 p.m. And then when we finish that, I will get in my car and I'm driving from Atlanta to Birmingham, Alabama for law school. All right. Because my law professors don't give a damn that I'm being inducted into the National Black College Alumni Hall of Fame. All right. But thank you for that. I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel free! Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Get your ass written out. Oh, please tell me what to do some more. I'm calling every single one of these, but I don't even give a I don't know who you are, who you think you are. Have a good day, man. No. Oh. Karenicity is not over yet, ladies and gentlemen. After that moment of Karenicity, this Karen decided she needed to come back and ask for a favor. Here it is. Exact same thing, like that was gonna be new sorry, information. Sorry, sorry about that. Okay. Okay, have a good day. So can you please give me some information on where I can go next since you're kicking me out of here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love some information from you, please. Get out of here, it's not going anywhere. Just guys, there's that for you. Uh, if you have any questions, um, my name, email, I've here on here. I just really love the personality 
of the anti-Karen here, who was unbothered by the moment of Karenicity. So what is going down? Enterprise rental car, according to the narrative, this is where it happened. Based on the hashtag, it was in Phoenix, Arizona. This Karen was told she needed to leave based on whatever the disagreement may have been. She gets upset, she takes a bunch of business cards. I don't know if you all saw that move where she was grabbing business cards frantically, just you know, like that's going to make us upset. Uh, they are there for you to grab, Karen. Uh, so she grabs the business cards in a very aggressive way, walks out, mad, cursing, walks back in and says, hey, but can you help me find another place that I can go um, since I'm no longer able? Ma'am, ma'am, it's called Google, ma'am. You have a damn cell phone. You can just put in a rental car near me. All right, let's put up the best picture we have for mass of this Karen. This is all we got. This Karen has yet to be actually identified. In the response, it's kind of hard to hear, but the anti-Karen in this situation says that I quote, yeah, um, do you have an iPhone? When she posed the question, where else can she go? Since you're kicking me out, the audacity of it all. All right, Ben, let me say this. Usually, after you curse somebody out, and listen, we've all been there. You don't typically come back and then ask them to help you do something. I mean, within minutes, we're not talking about a week or two, things have calmed down now. We're talking about literally in the same moment. Proving, proving Karenicity, yes, is an actual illness. All right. Ben, thoughts here. Um, yeah, I mean, this is wild. Is this where I admit, like, cause like, look, I may or may not have at one point been a Karen myself in this regard. <laughs> Although I didn't swear, like I wasn't swearing, right? But like, I was getting stressed out. Like renting a car is stressful, renting a car is stressful. Try not to swear and try to remember, right? Because like, even when I was like having issues trying to rent a car, I was like, look, I know that you don't decide these policies. I know you're not the person that did this, but like I already paid for this car and I'm so confused about why this has happened to me, right? And because like, you know, if you need to rent a car, you gotta go somewhere, right? And so like it's stressful. It's like I get it, I get it. But like also, right? That person at the counter can only do so much for you. And if you really wanna get answers, you gotta like take a step back. Call their customer service line, and if they can't help you, that's where you go to Google, right? Like the unfortunate reality is, the people standing at the desk are following a set of rules that somebody else decided, right? They are just there to enact policies that are set by other people. So, like, you gotta be patient and you gotta acknowledge that. You gotta be like, I understand that this is not your fault, right? This is somebody else's fault. This is a policy. This is something. And, like, do your best to keep a cool head. Even when it's a stressful situation. <laughs> you know, this can reminds me of people that will ask a question on Facebook that they could have Googled and got the answer to. You know what I mean? All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got more. A black student, black male arrested on campus for trespassing. Even though, according to the narrative, he had his student ID. Let's go to the video. Here it is.
I'm getting your badge numbers. It's within my rights to do so. I'm registered. Back up on the sidewalk. Yes, sir. Get back over there. Just making sure I got it. They uh, seem to be uh, unlawfully arresting him for uh, trespassing when this is a university, so it's public property. Yeah, isn't it public? Yeah. yeah, this is public property, and they don't have any right to arrest him. And that's illegal search also? Yeah. Yeah, he can sue. If they don't release him, he can sue. The young man does say he is a student of that institution. Here's the next video. Officers, have you checked his ID? Check his student ID. I gave him my ID. You did? Have you confirmed with the president of the department that he is unlaw unlawfully on this property? I called 911 for you, man. Congratulations. <laughs> I called the real call. As a current and active college professor, this boils my blood. Put up his picture because he has been victimized by the police. Black student was arrested for trespassing at the University of North Texas job fair. Despite being dressed for the job fair and having a student ID number, the police have not released the student's name. As he stated in the video, however, he was a registered student, but they did not believe him. Even though he was not taking classes this semester, he was still registered as a student. I know many students like that on the campus I serve. They do not take classes every semester, but they are registered. They are allowed on the campus. They can utilize the resources at the institution and they are known to the faculty and to the staff. In the video, the man says he was trying to attend a job fair inside of the UNT Union building. And the event organizers confirmed to police that he was in fact a student. And here are the cops, they have not been identified either. Let's put them up, but they do work for the UNT police. Let's go to the chief of police, Ed Reynolds, however, UNT police chief. A university spokesman 
said the man was arrested and booked into the Denton County Jail on suspicion of criminal trespass and disrupting a meeting. The case will be filed soon with the Denton County DA's office, the spokesman said. Let me say something to the DA, okay? All right, I'm not going to put you in the hot box yet because you haven't given, given me a reason to. Uh, but do the right thing, drop these charges immediately, make a statement, apologize and say shame on the police who did this to this young student. Uh, the demand for transparency from police comes amid a year of political and other clashes, controversy on the campus. On Thursday, flyers were posted around the campus about the arrest. Let's go to it. It says UNTPD, okay? Arrested an innocent black man, an innocent black student in front of the student union. The flyer says in bold black letters. The flyer says the white fascist armed white supremacists and homophobic preachers are allowed to come to our open campus. A black man has been arrested for being black in public. That's what it reads. I did some checking on this and the flyer is correct. The institution does allow for individuals of extreme position, insane ideology, to hold uh, rallies, conferences, etc. right there on the campus, no issue whatsoever. Despite all the apparent racism from the school, they apparently pride themselves in their diversity. This email was sent to students yesterday, let me read it to you. It says, fifth year in a row, UNT has received the Higher Education Excellence in Diversity Award for the fifth straight year, the HEAT Award is given by Insight into Diversity Magazine to US colleges and universities committed to cultivating a more inclusive and diverse campus environment. This speaks to the dedication of our entire university community toward making UNT even better for the diverse employees and students who work and learn here. Says Joanne Woodard, Vice President for Inclusion, Diversity, Equity and Access. Read about some of the latest efforts to support diversity and promote inclusion on campus. Now, let me say this, all right? I made a few phone calls before doing the show today. I can guarantee you one thing, you will not receive that award next year. I can promise you that, okay? Now, where's the president here? Where's the leadership of the institution? Where's your student liaison? Where's your dean of students? Talk up, this is a great time to show you, uh, show yourself to be an advocate for the young scholars on that campus. To reiterate, this student is currently being held in police custody. And they have set a bail at 2500. This comes as an update. UNT police have jailed him, the young black male, and are demanding a $2,500 bail to release him. They have not issued a statement on what grounds the bail is set. Please donate at Denton Bail Fund if you can. I have donated $150. Uh, there is a cash app also, dollar sign Denton Bail Fund, if you would like to assist. Now, if you look at the charge, the primary charge is suspicion of trespass, suspicion of criminal trespass. The reason why it is suspicion of criminal trespass is because based on their own investigation, they could not establish an actual criminal trespass charge. So they have to charge the person with suspicion of criminal trespass, which means he likely was not actually trespassing at all. They could not 
provide the probable cause dynamic, which is the lowest, the lowest proof needed in order to affect an arrest. They couldn't even do that. They could not confirm with anybody on that campus that this person was committing criminal trespass. That did not stop these cops from taking this young black male scholar to jail. Now imagine this, imagine this, you work hard, you go to school, you're studying. The man was going to a job fair, the man was going to a job fair, he gets arrested. He's a registered student, has his ID, other students are advocating for him, he still goes to jail. Big ups to those students who spoke up, did the right thing, recorded it while providing a narrative that we could follow. Thank you for doing that. Ben, thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, like my perspective on this, it seems clear that these police are just power tripping. And the problem is, is that something that our system allows? And it's in a sense really created to do because I can't help but connect this though to a lot of elected Democrats who keep telling us that we need increased police funding. Even like Joe Biden talk about we need to increase police funding when this is what police are doing across the country. They're just like finding and harassing random black folks for no reason. And I say for no reason, but I'm gonna go ahead and speculate. I think those cops are racists. I know wild speculation, but I think those cops are racist and I think they like power tripping. And I think there's police all across the country that do this. But the problem is we keep hearing about how these police officers protect us from crime and solve crime or whatever. If you actually look at the rates of crimes that are solved, it's incredibly low because it turns out that police officers, instead of actually investigating murderers, would rather go around, would rather go around just harassing random black folks because this isn't where it ends. Because when this happens to one person, then all of a sudden they've got a record of their arrest, even if there's no charges, then all of a sudden it gives further police officers more excuses to pull this person over, right? To try and charge them with random traffic violations. I mean, you name it. And this is how it turns into this cycle of individuals being targeted by police over and over and over again until they can finally find some excuse to throw somebody in jail. And so it's just terrifying to see, especially how blatant it is. And it's really, really infuriating when any talk of police reform, any talk of like defunding the police and changing our systems of policing is met with such extreme pushback, not only from the Republicans, but also from elected Democrats as well. Yeah. And so many things they could have done within their investigation. They could have confirmed with the president's office. They could have confirmed with the dean of students or someone in the in a fitting capacity. They could have also issued a trespass warrant if they felt that strongly that the person had to leave. That trespass warning could then be lifted based on a word from the president or somebody in authority. But they did not do any of those things. They decided to simply take the person to jail on suspicion of trespass. All right, we're gonna continue to follow this and provide an update when it comes. We got more, the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read a few of these comments, kind of press for time. Okay, let's go to YouTube, David Morris, the docs are gonna marinate over the bovines. That's right, I am, all right. Bernie the Kiwi Dragon, member for four months. Um, 
Thank you for that. In China, you can get in trouble for soiling the flag. Get critiqued if you don't tear up. If you don't tear up at the national anthem, send the teacher there. There you go. Nadine, Karens can't grasp that service workers are not making up the rules. Also, Dr. Richie, debonair as always, and Ben looking great in power red. We we'll appreciate those compliments. And Sharpie Diesel says, fabulous stream last night, bleep, blop. Ben, beautiful stuff. All right, very sad story, uh, makes me angry, okay? There's a man in the Alabama State Prison who is in this condition. Here it is, look at it, you see that? You see that, right? That's not some prisoner of war. This is a man inside of an Alabama state prison. Here's what he looked like before, okay? I'm gonna give you the background to this insanity. A South Alabama woman is pleading for help after she received photos of her brother, showing him in dire medical distress in a state prison. 32 year old, Castelio Bond. Looking well enough and healthy in that picture, which was taken July 24th. He's currently an inmate at Elmore Correctional Facility. He began serving a 20 year sentence in 2019 for multiple convictions for burglary and unlawful breaking and entering a vehicle. He was up for parole in June, but was denied. He will be eligible again for parole consideration June of 2027. Now let's go back to these other pictures. This was born on September 2nd. Unable to sit up, obviously malnourished, his eyes almost rolling up into the back of his head. His sister, Cassie, detailed in Facebook, Wednesday, the horrific decline of her brother's health after receiving two photos of him this week with the message, get help, get help. This was Vaughn just two days ago. This was September 21st, do you see this? It's hard to look at, I know, promise you it's harder for him to go through it. It's harder for the family to know this is happening. Now I'm highlighting this story because for some reason, this state prison has some kind of control over the local media in Alabama, but they do not control me. Cassie said in her Facebook post, Let's do this, put his picture back up. The sister said in her Facebook post, he cannot walk, he cannot stand, he is weak, he is vulnerable. She is begging for a welfare check and medical intervention for her brother. Meanwhile, an update since the original post, Cassie stated yesterday, Elmore Correctional Facility, Y'all violating so many of my brother's rights as a human. How y'all remove me off my brother's contact info and his visitation list, which means she can no longer visit her brother. Y'all gonna get what's coming to y'all if I don't care if it takes my last breath. I can no longer call and check the status of my brother because they have removed me. See, in order to visit someone inside of that prison, you must be on what's called an approved visitation list. She was on that list until this happened 
all of a sudden, she's no longer on the approved visitation list. Local outlet WRBL has been stonewalled. Local outlet WRBL reached out to the Alabama Department of Corrections early Thursday morning to get a comment. We were told to email media relations, which we did. A nameless person responded quickly at 931 Thursday morning saying, we are checking into it. Hours later, we haven't heard anything back. We sent a follow up email Thursday afternoon. When we pushed to speak with someone in person, we were told to have a blessed day and hung up on. A call back was never answered. WRBL also reached out to the Elmore Correctional Facility after being transferred a few times. The phone then disconnected. WRBL News tried to call again Thursday afternoon, but the phone was never answered. Meanwhile, AL.com received the following. The Alabama Department of Corrections understands there is concern about the welfare of inmate Costello DeMarcus Bond. The ADOC wrote in an email to AL.com, another media outlet. They said, and I quote, he is assigned to the Elmore Correctional Facility, but is currently housed at Station Medical Observation Unit. ADOC's Office of Health Services has fully investigated his situation from a clinical perspective. And he has been offered all necessary treatment for his condition. Also, he has been in touch with his family to update them on his situation. That is what they said on record. That is what they said. Now, they did not respond to the local media. They did not provide this information to members of the press that tried to push and get information about this particular story. As of today, the sister posted, there is no update regarding my brother. His family have still not heard from him. We don't know where he is located or if he has received any type of medical help. We are in the process of getting him a lawyer to fight for his rights as a human. The institution Elmore Correctional Facility that he is placed in is not receiving calls from the public or his family. They have stated they do not wanna talk to the Bond family. We are asking for medical help, not a release. Now, I'm going to say this, I have a private investigator and an attorney headed to that prison this weekend. Now, these cats are not to be played with. If you decide, I'm talking directly to the prison director, if you decide to play games with them, the public relations and legal nightmare Coming to you will be well earned. We need to know that Mr. Vaughn is okay. We need to know that he is receiving the medical attention he obviously needs. And the family needs to be assured of your efforts to make sure this human being receives a human experience while being incarcerated. There's a GoFundMe. For them to help obtain a lawyer. Now go find me. I present that to you right here. This is for Costello Vaughn lawyer. Now let me shift gears. Who are the administrators of the Elmore prison? Put them up. Look at that. The administrators of Elmore are Rolanda Colloway, 
Callaway, excuse me, and Jeffrey Baldwin. They are the administrators. John Hamm, the ADOC commissioner, let's expose him. This is John Hamm, Alabama Department of Corrections. Even though the public and media have been stonewalled, here's the contact info for Elmore and for the Alabama Department of Corrections. Let's put it up. Elmore Correctional Facility, 3520 Marion Spillway Road, Elmore, Alabama 36025. The phone number 334-567-1460. Alabama Department of Corrections, 301 South Ripley Street, PO Box 301501 Montgomery, Alabama 36130. You can also call 1-855-WE-R-A-D-O-C, okay? Now, details are sketchy. I believe the sister, I do not believe you. I do not believe the Department of Corrections. I do not believe the administrators of the prison. I do not believe the emails that you have sent. I believe the sister. Just because someone is serving a prison sentence does not mean they have shed their humanity, does not mean They deserve what is happening to this person. This is torture. Did you see him? Um, You know, a lot of people will say, we're praying for the family. And I am, I'm a man of faith. I hope somebody in the family, please get in touch with me, however you can. So I can connect you to the private investigator and the attorney whom I've already set on this situation. Please make contact with us at Indisputable. Ben, thoughts here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's so many layers to this. I mean, the first and foremost, our prison system was built, like just to be clear, like the foundation of our prison system is dehumanizing. It was built on the idea of stripping away people's humanity. It was built on the idea of literally being a replacement for just outright slavery. That was the whole concept behind the foundation of building our prison system. And it maintains that mentality to this day. And there's so many people that are willing to just write people off who are in prison. But like, think about it, right? Like. There are tons of people in prison for like nonviolent drug offenses. We throw people in prison in this country for basically anything. We have the highest incarceration rate in the world, right? People who are like just regular kind and decent people, right, can get swept up and put into it. And like, it's just really telling. It's just really telling because there's a huge divide, right? Like, if you know anybody, if you have family that have ever either either been to prison or potentially face going to prison, right? Then like you understand and you see this and you're like, oh my God, that almost happened to somebody I love or that could happen to somebody that I love. And you know, for the folks that are like privileged enough to, I guess, have never had to worry about anything like that. It's just like, it's just really, really like telling how like willing they are to be so dehumanizing and just to like completely disregard people. And it's just, it's just really, really infuriating. Um, because like, the, what's the whole idea? What what do we want from a criminal justice system? We want to prevent violence, right? That's what we, we want to keep our community safe. We want to prevent harm, 
right? But right now, our prison system creates far more harm than it prevents. Just to be very clear, there's way more harm that is coming from our prison system than if overnight we all of a sudden didn't have one. Now, nobody's calling for overnight, no more prisons, but at the end of the day, we need a fundamental change. We yeah. need to dig up the roots of our system and completely replace it. Yeah, very well said. Um, and once again, uh, to the family, um, please make sure to try to get in touch with me, okay? Uh, and I'm not letting a damn thing go. I'm not letting this go. All right, okay, I got a question for everybody. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face, it's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. CNN would love to put you on the news to make us look like. And if the cops wasn't here, I would fight every one of these right now. Every one of these. Believe me, I would. I don't care if I got my ass whooped. I would knock the. supporters are cursing out members of the KKK, white supremacists. Let's put up the picture full mass here, okay? So apparently a Trump supporter awaiting to get into the Youngstown, Ohio rally was not happy that the members of the KKK were also in attendance. So he decided to start yelling at the um, white supremacists who were there. Now, the, obviously, the irony is basically the Klan is arguing with the Klan. So here are the people he was arguing with. Reclaim America. Well, wait a minute, isn't that what all of you say? Reclaim America, make America great again, right? These are synonymous terms developed decades ago by the Klan. You did not know, sir, that all of the dogma that you have adopted, the propaganda that you spew is connected, is originates from the Klan, you did not know this. Let's put up the next picture here, the guy with the flag and you know. This is a zoomed in picture of one of the guys, all right? Now, do you see his outfit, do you see this? Okay, yeah, this was one of those baffling situations. I've never seen it happen before like this, but here's the reality. The reality is Trump supporters, many of them, if not the vast majority are in fact racist. And Trump supporters, they do subscribe to the ideology of white supremacy and white supremacists universally support Donald Trump. There's no way in the world 
this person arguing is unaware of that. Now, maybe he doesn't like the PR aspect of what this means for his political candidate or the person he follows, but the reality is it is there. There's no coincidence that virtually 100% of white supremacists endorse one person, Donald Trump. All right, deal with it. Ben, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers to this. The first layer, obviously, being like, look at the crowd you're in, okay? Like, think about it for a second. But the other layer is this is something where, look, even a lot of liberals are guilty of this too, okay? People tend to have this idea that all it takes to not be racist is to like not say slurs. But I hate to break it to you, just because you don't say slur, even if you've never said any slur ever in your entire life, you can still be racist. If you're one of those people who's like, oh, you know, like I just don't care about issues of race, you know, it's just not like important to me. I just think it's not important. That's racism. That is you being privileged, thinking that you can completely disregard the way black people are treated in the United States of America. That's racism. You think that your concerns are better or more important than the concerns of other people. So like just to be clear. Now, all that said, like at this energy, right? This energy of like shouting at like white supremacists and saying, you know, get out of here. We don't want you part of this group, this, that, and the other thing. That is the kind of energy that we really should be seeing more in leftist spaces. Cause to be entirely honest, right? Like I think we all know and realize and recognize that there are some folks that do and say a lot of really racist stuff within different left circles. And just because somebody says that they're like on board with left ideas, doesn't necessarily mean that they're willing to challenge racism. So that's the kind of energy that you should bring to like, yep. you know, Joe Biden rallies or something like seriously. Well said, Ben, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people I think follow you, check out your great work. Uh, yeah, you can check me out obviously on Galaxy Brain at Fridays at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can also check out my videos on Rebel Headquarters. And if you wanna keep up to date with my content, you can follow me at Benjamin Carollo on Twitter. Until next time, my friend. All right, we got more, the bullpen is next, stick and stay. Welcome back, okay, we got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of comments. Nadine says UNT needs to drop those charges, pay his tuition, fire those cops, and a genuine public apology. That's right, I agree completely. BD Hat, thank you, welcome to Indisputable. Uh, Richard Poindexter, welcome to Indisputable, thank you so much. Um, the last dragon, thank you for that last dragon. Doctor, you deserve your award. What you're doing for people is above and beyond. Um, I don't deserve any hero cookie. I'm doing what I believe is the right thing to do, and that is it. Nothing more, nothing less. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. We have a special bullpen today. We're talking with a clinical counselor and therapist. Before I go to him, we are highlighting mental profiles connected to Karenicity. That will be the discussion. Here's a montage, Karenicity. Go back, listen. I said, I said, excuse me. Go back. Where are you from? Stop being ignorant. Calling me ignorant. Get off! Move! What are you doing? Get off my car! You guys just think you're so strong and everything. Right? Come on, make a move, dude. Come on. 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 Come
is dangerous to talk more about this disease. We have deemed Karenicity on Indisputable. We have Morris Mosley, clinical counselor, therapist, long extensive and reputable career as a counselor, licensed clinical social worker, and the list goes on. Mr. Mosley, welcome to Indisputable, how are you? I'm fine, Dr. Richie, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, listen, this is actually a very serious subject because we have seen individuals weaponize their privilege, weaponize their whiteness in order to get other people in major trouble. And sometimes it has resulted in injury and the most extreme cases it has resulted in somebody's death. So let me just pose it this way. What in the hell is wrong with these people? Let you answer that. Well, um, there isn't a simple answer. But the most direct answer would be fear. Mm. Throughout the course of our lives, you know, across our development, we have these critical tasks where we're supposed to learn something that advances us to the next step. Each stage is dependent upon the previous one. So let's suppose I go all the way back to the time where I believed in the tooth fairy. Yeah. As life goes on, I begin to understand that the environment is telling me something different. It's telling me the tooth fairy may not be real. Now I have to reconcile either what I believe is true or the environment is true. Most of us can make this adjustment pretty easily and throughout the course of our lives, but not all of us. Let's suppose that what I believe about myself, I hinge to the environment. So if I believe I am superior, I am privileged. The environment has to give me consistent feedback. The dilemma is the environment doesn't do that. So even on the clips, what you saw was a look of desperation. It wasn't just I'm sharing my opinion. It was I have to shift yours. Mm. So the dilemma here is not that I should even try to change the opinion of the individual. The dilemma is not to let the individual change my opinion. So. Imagine that what we have is someone who is in conflict with a constant message from the environment that questions who they are. If my belief about who I am is tied to what I believe the environment says, then every time there's an inconsistency, I have to attack it. Mm. I have to be able to say, I'm not wrong, let me correct the environment. So I will come up to people who are doing something that's, that basically expresses a counter to what I believe. And I have to correct them. What you see in the faces of the individuals here, 
they're determined to change the minds of the people they confront. The fear is that if they are wrong, their identity is now comes into question. If I believe I'm superior, let's say, the environment has to be consistent with that belief. If someone challenges me, I have to correct the environment. So who I am is now at stake. What I believe is true about me is about to be challenged by all of these messages from the environment, just something I, I don't agree with. So it's, it's a really difficult phenomenon to undo because of the circumstances. What it would take for me to question myself means I first have to have a certain tolerance for being wrong. If I have no tolerance for being wrong, I'll, um, I'll struggle with it. Mm. I really struggle with it. Let's talk about that. Um, because what I hear you saying is that in, in, in a way they have, they do not have the ability to be self analytical. They obviously are not as self aware as required for an adult. How is that dynamic um, magnified when you live in let's say a community or home environment or maybe even a professional or faith environment that reinforces that, that bias? Uh, and protects you from the reality of the fact that you are not superior, but it reinforces your superiority complex. What happens in that environment? Well, the environment is something that we generally we can't control it. Mm. It makes adjustments as time goes on. There are things we used to believe that we no longer. If I come face to face with an aspect of the environment that's contrary to what I believe, then it's a certain amount of trauma that takes place because it's not just about an agreement or a disagreement. It's really tied to who I am. So early in life, my parents may have said, this is who you are before I had my own opinion. At some point in life, I shift that. I say, well, here's what I've learned based on my experience. But if I don't, I hold on to that original belief. And this is what you're seeing in the films. Someone who has held on to a belief that they are superior in some way. Yeah, Miss, go ahead, sir. So if I let go of that belief, I'm not talking about now the environment anymore. I'm talking yeah. about myself. Let's talk about nature versus nurture. Um, uh, obviously, I'm not as trained as you are uh, in this arena. I've taken a couple of psychology classes in my duration um, as an academic. But I know the concept of nature versus nurture and how in many ways we are supposed to be a combination of experiences, exposures and environments. So how is it that certain individuals, they can literally receive these cues that the atmosphere is different than their own self perception. That the atmosphere rejects that they are in fact privileged or somehow you know more special than anybody else. Uh, and they are still, without nurture, they are still engaging in carinicity. How does that happen when they hit bumps every time they do this? How is it they never change? Change is, is really tied to the ability to grow. Mm. So it's not just a shift, it's questioning what I currently believe. And then coming up with something that is more consistent with life around me today. So. It's more than asking me to change my opinion. It's asking me to change who I am. What's really happened is growth has stopped. 
See, growth is choice. I can choose to continue to challenge my beliefs, make them consistent with the world around me, or I can choose not to. If I choose not to, then I have to correct the world around me because I'm not changing myself. The dilemma is it, it creates a crisis. Now it's a matter of desperation to change what I'm seeing that's inconsistent with what I believe. So you could call it a form of arrested development. Children are very concrete thinkers. It's right, it's wrong, it's black, it's white, it's up or down. As we get older, we realize these are extremes. Most of life exists in between. And so it helps us now be flexible as the surroundings change. If I stay in this very concrete mode, it's just win lose, then it creates a crisis for me. Now I understand that. You said growth is choice. That is so powerful. Growth is choice. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Let me highlight something that took place maybe a week or two ago. We did a segment where a known Karen, I'm talking about this person was very high profile in her Karenicity, in her privilege. She literally did a video and denounced what she previously said, how she previously behaved. And it was the first time that I can remember that somebody who engaged in what I would consider clinical Karenicity um, looked as if they were changing or had transformed on some level. So the question is, is Karenicity curable? Typically, no. Mm. Uh, there are circumstances where, let's suppose that in the course of my beliefs, as a result of my actions, I cause harm to someone that I care about. It is possible for me to take a different path because that might be the first time I've actually looked at life through someone else's eyes. So the dilemma here is I typically see life through my own. I actually avoid seeing other perspectives because it makes me question my own. But if the result of my behavior affects someone I care about, that actually affects me. Mm. So you can mm. change someone's behavior if you can directly affect them. But if the person is highly self-centered, the only one that can do that is themselves. So my behavior, my self-serving interest becomes part of the dynamic. I say or do something hurts someone I care about. There's no one to blame here. I have to take a look at my intention, how the person received this, and then the guilt or the shame that's attached to it. In those circumstances, I've seen someone who's highly self-centered change their behavior because there was one, it's still self-serving behavior. I want to feel better. Two, I have to somehow exchange my guilt or shame for something more appropriate. And three, there's, there's essentially, I'm locked into this perception that says self-serving behavior is how I get motivated. That's what moves me. My behavior now is to relieve the pain I caused. How do I do that? And so I start to undo those things. Are Karen's born, Mr. Mosley, are they born or are they developed or combination of both? First five years of our life, we don't have an opinion of ourselves. It's mostly what our parents think of us. So during that time, my parents could say, you could all but walk on water. Everything you do is perfect, it's right, it's just. Now, at some point, I become influenced by people other than my parents as I get older, and they challenge that. 
In fact, there's a good chance I might run into somebody whose parents told them the exact same thing. So we both can't get our way. We might have to work together. This is what should happen. We reach a place where we say we're all wanting what we want. Now, if it doesn't happen, it means I have to not continue to correct the environment. But that means I have to deny growth. I have to deny everything that's part of my experience that tells me you might want to challenge what you believe. Um, this is uh, so rich uh, and informative. What can be done? Let's imagine that a Karen or two, they may actually watch this segment. And they would like to be better people. And they realize that they have done some things that are antithetical to the atmosphere around them. And they would like to be better. They don't know how to step out of their own Karenism. What can be done? What can they do to help themselves? There's kind of an acknowledgement that says, I'm about to learn something that I'm not going to like. And it's going to pinch. And I have to get prepared for the pinch. So it's almost self-talk where I'm saying, I'm about to challenge something I believed all my life. And I'm not going to like it, but I have to do it anyway. So it's, it's, it's a shift in my own willingness to become more self-aware. But it's typically the result of something that affects me personally that's made me uncomfortable. So the first step. The individual would have to start to pay attention to the level of discomfort when I'm not able to change my surroundings or people's minds about me. What's left is, could I be wrong? Mm. It's not something I want to hear, it's going to pinch and I have to prepare myself. This is going to hurt, but it might help. Last question, I created a segment here called Anti-Karens. And it was basically a way to highlight individuals who have effectively disarmed or de-escalated a situation with a Karen. What can we do when we are faced with extreme Karenicity in our everyday lives? What's the best approach? Probably the best approach is your own self-confidence. See, the individual is trying to change your perspective. Mm. And the belief that self-serving says you absolutely have to understand that I am right and you are wrong. So there's that desperation that you see even in the clips where it's not just me sharing an opinion, I have to change your mind. The less importance I give that effort to change my mind, the more secure in my own opinion, I present myself. Wow. I'm minimizing that, that energy that says you have to see it this way. And the response is a loss of self-importance because I didn't take it seriously. The goal is not to change Karen's mind. The goal is to not let Karen change yours. Man, Mr. Mosley, wisdom, insight, great advice. Dear brother, we appreciate you being on the show and doing this breakdown for us today. So appreciated. My pleasure. Absolutely, all right, that was remarkable, loved it, okay. I may have some homework to do myself, all right? Okay, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.